earnestly seek to commend yourself to God as an approved worker who has nothing to be ashamed of, handling the word of truth with precision. We're glad you're joining us for today's program, A Word from the Word, with your host, Pastor Tom, who will unpack for us the richness and beauty of the Bible's original languages as they bear on key words and concepts from both Testaments. Our hope is that your walk with God will be strengthened and deepened, and both your understanding and application of God's Word will be enriched, and you'll be drawn to love it more and more each day. And now, here's Pastor Tom. Hello, friends. Thanks for joining me on A Word from the Word. Are you out driving? Are you at home? Are you elsewhere with your mobile device? Are you catching the podcast? Well, friends, as I said last time, we're in the final stretch of our summer series, Touching Others with Our Faith. Today we're in between third base and home plate. My hope along this journey has been that we're discovering creative and exciting ways to reach out to people in our various circles and take advantage of naturally occurring but God-engineered circumstances that lead us to opportunities for spiritual conversations to emerge so we can shine the light of Jesus into the lives of others kind of like a flashlight. So, friends, today in Part 9, I'd like to expand on and embellish one of the three keys from our last program. Last time, we identified three keys to touching others with our faith. I'll bet some of you even remember them. First, intercessory prayer. Second, building bridges. And third, confronting others. I plan to expand on the second one, building bridges. So today's installment is called Learning to Build Bridges. To begin today's study, I'd like to share several brief cameos of people from all walks of life who understand what it means to build bridges to people in their various circles of influence. The first will be President Woodrow Wilson, our 28th president, in office from 1913 to 1921. He shares this personal account of how someone's life affected him. Let's listen to his own story. I was in a very commonplace. I was sitting in a barber chair when I became aware that a personality had entered the room. A man had come quietly in upon the same errand as myself to have his hair cut and sat in the chair next to me. Every word the man uttered showed a personal interest in the man who was serving him, and before I got through with what was being done to me, I was aware that I had attended an evangelistic service, because the man in the chair beside me was Dwight L. Moody. I purposely lingered in the room after he had left, and noted the singular effect that his visit had brought upon the barbershop clients. The people there didn't know his name, but they knew that something had elevated their thoughts, and I felt that I left that place as I should have left a place of worship. It was there my admiration and esteem for Mr. Moody became very deep indeed. 
second. In 1871, H.M. Stanley went to Africa to find and report on the Scottish missionary and African explorer David Livingstone and spent several months with Livingstone and his troop carefully observing this man and his work. Interestingly, Livingstone never spoke to Stanley about spiritual matters, but Livingstone's loving and patient compassion for the African people was beyond Stanley's comprehension. He was stymied at how this missionary possessed such love for and patience with the less progressive pagan people among whom he ministered for so long. He observed that Livingstone literally spent himself in untiring service for those whom he had no reason to love except for Christ's sake. Friends, one entry in Stanley's journal is worth noting. He wrote, When I saw that unwearied patience, that unflagging zeal, and those enlightened sons of Africa, I became a Christian at his side, though he never spoke to me one word. Third, the late pastor, Oscar Thompson, recounts a story about one of his friends, Jim, who was as a young boy came home one night to discover his dad working hard at something new. Jim said to his dad, Dad, what in the world are you working on? His dad replied, Son, I'm working on this telegraph key, learning Morse code. Jim, somewhat puzzled, then asked, Why, Dad? You're not interested in ham radios? I am now, his father replied. You know Greg's father down the street, the house with the big antenna? Jim answered, yes. Then Dad continued, I tried reaching him for Christ, but he wouldn't even talk to me. The only thing he knows and loves is his ham radio. So I'm going to learn how to be a ham radio operator so that I can reach Greg's dad. Pastor Thompson then remarked, Jim's dad took time to build a bridge to Greg's dad. That bridge happened to be a ham radio. Six months later, Greg's dad invited Christ into his life. In his book, Concentric Circles of Concern, Pastor Thompson shares another story about a friend of his who lived across the street from a Korean couple. He related to Pastor Thompson that this couple was very quiet and that developing a relationship with them was difficult. After months of attempts to build a relationship, or build a bridge, if you will, a death occurred in this Korean family. The wife's mother died. Well, the first thing the Thompson's friends and his wife did was bring a meal over to the Korean couple. Then, while they were away tending to their family's needs, Thompson's friends volunteered to take care of their animals and mow their lawn. When the Korean couple returned home, they said to the neighbors who had reached out to them, You have been so kind. We would like to be your friends. Wow! What inroads they made! Perhaps now, with these loving actions done, this Korean couple will be open to listening to the gospel from people who have shown them love, from people who wanted to be loving channels. Remember, friends, ministry takes place when divine resources meet human needs 
through loving channels to the glory of God. We might say that one way genuine Christian love, in other words, agape love, is expressed is by meeting needs wherever we find ourselves. Now, friends, I'd like to paint a picture for us all with reference to many natural settings that God can use us in other lives. Let's just review the six or so categories of relationships that we commonly find ourselves in. Our immediate family, our extended relatives, our friends, both general and close, our co-workers or business contacts, our acquaintances, and even the stranger whom we affectionately call Person X. And let's keep in mind that these categories sometimes bleed over into each other. In other words, friends may bleed over into other circles and may include school or college friends. Similarly, acquaintances and strangers may initially bleed over into other circles. And I'll define acquaintances in a little bit when I share with you Brenda's story. I'm hoping that you'll never look at your acquaintances the same way again. But for now, I'd like to share a picture you can keep in your mind. This picture is rooted in a well-known scripture passage, Romans 12:15, which says, Rejoice with those who rejoice, and weep with those who weep. From the idea in this scripture verse, I'd like you to visualize a large wheel in your mind. And this wheel is kind of like a wagon wheel, with a center hub and spokes extending out from the hub to the outer ring of the wheel. If you're free and not in your car, take a moment and draw this picture on a piece of paper. Divide the wheel into a left half and a right half. At the top of the left half right, rejoice with those who rejoice. And at the top of the right half right, weep with those who weep. Now, we'll have eight common occasions for rejoicing and eight common occasions for weeping. The eight common occasions for rejoicing might be birthdays, weddings, anniversaries, arrival or birth of a child, recreation or hobbies, occupations, graduations or promotions, and appreciation or congratulations. The eight common occasions for weeping could be financial reversals, loss of a job, marriage crises or divorce, family crises, illnesses or hardships, sorrows, griefs, or deaths, accidents or disasters, and property damage or losses. And let me just say here that Romans 12.15 is tucked in between verses 9 through 18. In my opinion, all verses on love in action. So read Romans 12.9 through 18 when you get a minute. Another way we can look at this wheel is that the spokes extending out from the left half represent a list of many positive and pleasant experiences of life, where we'd rejoice with those who rejoice. Whereas the spokes extending out from the right half of the wheel represent a list of many negative or unpleasant experiences of life, this is where we'd be weeping with those who weep. 
Friends, I'd like to propose that it is in the midst of these common experiences of life, both pleasant and unpleasant, that we can learn to build bridges. It is in these very natural points of contact we have with people around us that we can touch them with our faith in this unique way, by building bridges to others at key or crucial moments in their lives. All we need to do is be consciously looking with Jesus' eyes, listening to the Spirit's voice, living out the Savior's call, loving others with God's love, leaving the solution to Christ, letting God's grace flow through us, lighting our world to the glory of God, and taking advantage of the three keys to touching others with our faith, intercessory prayer, building bridges, and confronting people. And you'll need to review our last study to hear how I define the word confront. It's not what you think. Our model was Jesus and observing how he became actively available to people and was not just passively available. And friends, this idea is also present in this portion of Romans chapter 12. In verse 13, we find the phrase practicing hospitality. And here's another expression where our English Bibles have difficulty doing justice to the strength of the original language. Most standard English translations have practice here. Some other well-known and respected translations have given to hospitality, extend hospitality to strangers, get in the habit of inviting guests home for dinner. And one paraphrase has, be inventive in hospitality. You see, friends, these translations all make a valiant attempt to communicate an active availability, but sadly fall short of bringing out the depth and shades of meaning in the original Greek New Testament. The Greek for practice literally means to pursue. And if you don't think that word is strong enough, the idea of pursuing in the original language carries with it the stronger meaning of persecuting. Friends, this made me think of an almost humorous question. When was the last time we persecuted people with hospitality? Or when was the last time we chased after someone just to show Christian kindness to them? Well, I don't make a habit of consulting paraphrases, but I happen to notice one paraphrase's rendering of verse 11, which in this case appropriately communicated what we've been talking about over the last few weeks in this series. It said, Don't burn out. Keep yourselves fueled and aflame. Be alert, servants of the Master, cheerfully expectant. It actually reminded me of the question I've been asking us all periodically in our summer series. Are we excited about and do we anticipate or look forward to the possibility that the Lord may provide us with an opportunity to touch someone with our faith? In other words, if I may borrow from that paraphrase, are we alert servants of the Master? Are we cheerfully expectant? Well, here's another true life cameo about a schoolgirl named Brenda. Brenda stormed into her pastor's office one night, sobbing in his presence. Pastor, she said, I'm so unhappy nobody loves me. 
Her pastor reviewed with her that her parents and friends do love her, and then the pastor turned the conversation around a bit. He said, Brenda, do you know that God has created you as a channel for his love to flow through you to others? Why don't you look for someone out there and seek to meet their needs? How about you make this commitment? Dear Lord, whatever people you put in my path, I'm going to meet their needs. Then the pastor added, Now is there someone out there that would be really difficult for you to love? Brenda then snapped back immediately, Yes, Judy! Her pastor then asked, Who's Judy? Brenda went on to explain, Judy is a freshman. She is just dumb. She rides the bus with me and she just bugs me. I have to ride with her for 45 minutes every day. She gets on the bus and it's chatter, chatter, chatter. She's latched on to me for some reason. I just don't want to listen to that freshman anymore. I'm a senior. Well, in his witty way, her pastor responded, Okay, Brenda, then how about uh, going out of your immense senior wisdom? Why don't you meet some of the needs of this lowly little freshman's ignorance? So, her pastor's prescription, love Judy. Want to hear how Brenda's story unfolded the very next day? Here's Brenda's account. As usual, I got on the bus. No sooner than I sat down, here comes Judy. She sat down right next to me again. I must say, it still really bugged me, but I said to myself, I'm going to try to meet Judy's needs if it kills me. So the best thing I could think of doing was to just listen. I turned to her, and for the first time I looked at her while she was talking to me. And let me just interject here, friends. Brenda finally began looking with Jesus' eyes. Brenda continued, As I looked at her, I began to see a little face I had never noticed before. I realized that underneath all that chatter was a hurting little girl. As we continued to talk, I asked, Judy, tell me about your brothers and sisters and mom and dad. She became very still and was actually very quiet for some time. Finally, she burst out, Brenda, my mom and dad are getting a divorce, and I'm so scared. We're going to have to move, and my whole world is coming apart. In that moment, I just listened. I felt the love of God wanting to meet that little girl's needs through me. So I put my arm around her, and we continued talking until we arrived at school. After we got off the bus, Judy put her books down on the ground and put her arms around me and blurted out, Oh, Brenda, I just love you. So, friends, let's commit ourselves afresh to looking with Jesus' eyes, listening to the Spirit's voice, being available, and being willing to love whomever the Lord brings across our path. Because, as we've been learning, ministry takes place when divine resources meet human needs through loving channels to the glory of God. Friends, last time I suggested a slightly modified version of the engineer's prayer. Why don't we commit ourselves afresh to a prayer like this? Depending on where you are, perhaps you can pray it along with me. Lord, engineer circumstances in people's lives today so that you can love them through me. 
And, Lord, help me to look with Jesus' eyes. Help me to hear the Spirit's voice. Help me to love whomever you bring across my path. Help me to bring grace. And, Lord, I ask these things because I want you to get the glory. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Friends, back in 2002, Casting Crowns released a song called If We Are the Body. Listen to the lyrics. They're both motivating and convicting. I suggest you do an internet search for this song and listen to the entire song. But here's a sampling. It's crowded in worship today as she slips in, trying to fade into the faces The girls' teasing laughter is carrying farther than they know. But if we are the body, why aren't his arms reaching? Why aren't his hands healing? Why aren't his words teaching? And if we are the body, why aren't his feet going? Why is his love not showing them there is a way? There is a way. A traveler is far away from home. He sheds his coat and quietly sinks into the back row. The weight of their judgmental glances tell him his chances are better out on the road. But if we are the body, why aren't his arms reaching? Why aren't his hands healing? Why aren't his words teaching? And if we are the body, why aren't his feet going? Why are why is why is his love not showing them there is a way? There is a way. Now listen to this next line in the song, friends. Jesus paid much too high a price for us to pick and choose who should come. Sound familiar? Sounds a little bit like a statement I've been throwing out from time to time, doesn't it? When Jesus becomes Lord of our lives, we must surrender forever the right to choose whom we will love. Amen? Amen. Friends, before I go, let me remind us all that we can display Jesus' love for others based on the Romans 12:15 template I shared earlier. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. So let me review my list of occasions in these two categories. For rejoicing with those who rejoice, we have these options. Birthdays, weddings, anniversaries, arrival or birth of a child, recreations and hobbies, promotions and graduations, and congratulations or appreciation. For weeping with those who weep, we have these options. Financial reversals, loss of a job, marriage crises, divorce family crises, illnesses or hardships, sorrow, grief or deaths, accidents or disasters, property damage or loss. Through these options, we can ask the Lord to engineer circumstances in people's lives so that he can love them through us. Can you say amen to that? Well, friends, we're nearing the end of today's program. My hope is that our summer series is helping us all to be looking with Jesus' eyes, listening to the Spirit's voice, living out the Savior's call, loving others with God's love, leaving the solution to Christ, letting God's grace flow through us, lighting our world to the glory of God, 
utilizing the three keys to touching others and particularly learning to build bridges as we've talked about today. Let's not forget to pray for the people around us in our circles of relationships or spheres of influence who need Jesus so that they can see Jesus shining brightly in us. And let's also remember to seek the Holy Spirit's help for ways we can naturally and creatively reach out and touch others with our faith. Friends, remember that engineer's prayer. Lord, engineer circumstances in people's lives today so you can love them through me. How has God been moving in response to your prayer? A listener recently wrote in and responded to the program, Lighting Our World to the Glory of God. Another wonderful message. May we be children of the light and act as such. So needed, especially in this very challenging world. Thanks for inspiring us to seek out those who need the light and be present to them. Thanks for those encouraging words. Today's broadcast will close out with an email where you may write me. I'd love to hear how God is working in your lives to touch others with your faith. Please also consider joining a Word from the Word support team. Just ask me for the details. Thanks to you who are helping keep this program on the air. My hope is that, especially during these unsettling times, you're being blessed, encouraged, and sustained. Remember also that the podcasts are freely available at faithtalk1360.com. Forward this link to people that you think will be blessed and fed from these teachings. Thanks for listening today, friends. And remember, Jesus loves you. I'm Pastor Tom with a word from the word. Friends, if you would like to let Pastor Tom know what this program has meant to you, email him at a word from the word at minister.com. That's a word from the word at minister.com. Dot com.